This is Sam Calagione, founder and CEO of Dogfish Head Brewery, and you are listening to At The Bar Podcast. Cheers. Welcome to another episode of At The Bar Podcast. As usual, I'm your co-host, Mike, and joining me, as usual, uh, with a new nickname. He's getting a new nickname today. He doesn't know he's getting a new nickname, but he's getting a new nickname. Uh, oh, God. Jeff, Jeff No Sleeves. <laughs> yep, that's me. Yeah, that's me, yep. 100%. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm a very anti-sleeves kind of guy, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you knew that sometimes was coming, your arms, Sometimes your arms just got to breathe, man. You know, they we live in Florida. Breathe. Yeah, you saw my comment on Instagram. You're like, oh, fuck. This is going to come back around. <laughs> He's going to get me. <laughs> so uh, so we have a – we were going to do a night uh, a award show uh, recap, but the results are not out yet. So we're not going to do that. Yeah, so thanks episode. for not releasing the, the results, guys. <laughs> Yeah, so we're not going to do that, but we're all going to give you some great news, uh, as always, because crap beer is kind of slow right now, but what's happening is pretty monumental IMO, in my opinion. Um, IMO. Yep, so we are on, me and Jeff are on the unofficial, official crap beer news outlet for Athabar <laughs> Podcast, <laughs> Beer Street Journal, and the first article we're going to talk about might be the one with the most impact uh, Boulevard Brewing out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri, or they're in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Boulevard Brewing is launching Flaying, a new craft cocktail lineup in April. Uh-huh. They have a blood orange vodka soda in cans. Uh, these are all in cans. Um, a gin and tonic cucumber lime flavored, which I'm excited about. See, yep. A Mai Tai and yep. a uh, looks like a classic margarita. Yeah. And alcohol by volume, vodka soda is five percent, gin and tonic is seven, Mai Tai is eight, excuse me, and the margarita is seven and a half. So they're packing a little bit of punches, three of the four. Yeah, for real. Um and of course, as always, we are not uh <laughs> we didn't read the article, but we're gonna read it right now because fuck, we're talking about it. <laughs> So uh, the blood orange vodka soda is a combination of 360 vodka, soda, water, and orange. And, and 360 is a brand of vodka. Yes. Not, I mean, in my opinion, it's not top tier, but it's not necessarily bottom shelf either. No, it's it's a call brand for sure. Yeah, yeah it has a lot of really actually awesome flavors. 360 vodka has yeah. kind of done the uh, the culinary uh, trend of flavoring vodkas. The problem is that flavored vodkas died like two years ago, so now nobody is drinking them anymore. So, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, they do have some really awesome flavors, some really crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the next one, the cucumber lime gin and tonic, is Builder's Botanical Gin tonic and fresh lime and cucumber. I've never heard of Builder's Gin, but I like gin, so I'm already on board. I don't understand. The concept. Well, keep going. Tell them more of these flavors, and then I just don't okay. understand this. Uh, the Mai Tai is lime, orange, almond, and spices to complement Virgin Island rum. And the last one, margarita, is mean mule American agave, neutral spirit, lime, and salt. Uh, before Jeff, before before you you, you kind of talk here, uh, just want to let everyone know that they will launch March twenty eighth. 
corresponding with the Kansas City Royals opening day. Regional distribution will follow in April with national distribution to occur throughout the rest of the year. So soon as we'll see this is in April, which Florida might be a little bit later just because we're a distribution nightmare. But go True. ahead. Um, well, first thing, you said misery wrong. It's it's misery. All right. If you live there, believe me, you know that it's misery, not Missouri. Um, second. <laughs> go ahead. There's nothing about this that is proprietarily theirs. And that's kind of weird to me. I assumed when you said that they would be releasing craft cocktails in cans that maybe they had taken the Southern Tier route or what a lot of other breweries are doing and started a distillery as well. And we're making their own vodkas and rums and whiskeys and all that good stuff. Then you go and put out a craft cocktail line and it's like, oh, cool. Now this is yours. What is Boulevard? What like what? What is Boulevard about? A combination of three sixty vodka, soda water, and blood orange. Yeah, okay. yeah it's, it's not way original. To go. Yeah, way to go, Boulevard! You're a bartender now. Like that's <laughs> not that's not none of that is yours. None of that is your product. I was like at first reading this, I was like, oh, this is cool, and then I read into the end of the article, and I'm like, wow, this is fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I definitely agree with you to where, you know, Dogfish is, you know, has their own distillery. And if they were to do this, it would be probably super awesome. Well, it'd be their their, own at least it'd be theirs. Like, it right. wouldn't it'd be their whether own it's product. or not, it's proprietary. It's theirs. Right. Like, this is Boulevard becoming a glorified bartender. They're basically just canning cocktails that anybody else could make. Like, sure. why would you yeah. pay for these cans when you can make all of this stuff yourself? Just go buy the 360 vodka. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't. We're lazy. I, I don't understand what makes this Boulevards. I don't understand why 360 is allowing it or Builders Botanical Gin or Virgin Islands Rum. Uh, mean American ga- or Gave Natural or Neutral Spirit. I don't even know what that is. Um, I don't know why these people are like, oh yeah, go ahead, use our product to make money for yourselves. Like, they're probably doing it because their pro- their sales are probably slow, and this is a guaranteed buyer. Yeah, kind of like beer and distribution. Like, you know, it's you're know. selling it's, it at a at a slight loss, not loss, but you're selling it at a cheaper price, but you're still selling it and you're still making money on it. Yeah, Just, your margins aren't as good, but it's still paying your bills. Leave it to misery to ruin a good idea. <laughs> Kansas City, Missouri. No, misery. Misery. Gotcha. Um, I like the idea. Um, I'm with you, I, and I agree with what you're saying in terms of it's not necessarily a unique item for Boulevard, but I do find and I do think this is going to be a huge um, moneymaker for not only them, but for all companies that do decide to do this is, you know, the biggest trend right now is hard seltzer, canned hard seltzer. Solid. On board. Cocktail can is the next one in line to kind of really take over the market and really hinder both spirits and beer. Yeah. You have a craft brewery getting in on spirits or a, a you know, a cocktail sort of sorts. I don't and know if I can. Yeah, I don't know if I buy into it. I don't know if I buy into that trend. Um I think the cocktail drinking, all of the cocktail, everything in the cocktail market has pointed to fresh ingredients, 
it doesn't matter how much more expensive or longer it takes. People want the classic cocktails made right. That's that's the trend in cocktails, right? I mean, what do you what do you drink? You drink high end bourbons. You drink high end. You know, everybody's drinking call or or top shelf brands. They're yeah, getting yeah. classic cocktails and they're getting fresh ingredients. That's the trend, right? So sure. this laziness and 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 quite frankly, there's no way. I mean, even if they're made perfectly. They're not using fresh ingredients. They're using things that can keep, you know, keep in a can. So they're not using fresh ingredients and stuff. And these are not going to be quality cocktails. They're going to be passable. Some of them might even taste good. All I'm thinking about is Bud Light Limeritas or, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're probably going to taste great, but they're not going to be a fresh cocktail and they're not going to be what a cocktail drinker would drink. Yes, I I agree with you as well. Um, I still think this is getting hit hard. You know, it's it's the people who want to go to the beach or want to go on a boat or want to go somewhere to where they can't necessarily bring bottles or glass. Is this going to be as good as fresh? Absolutely not. I'm with you on that. But it's gonna be a it could be a really good substitute, right? Um, you know. And I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they might be late to the party. I feel like the hard seltzers have already filled this need. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It really depends on how this is uh health-wise, carbs, sugars, all that stuff. Because these if these need to want to stick, they have to be zero to no carb. Yep, health conscious. Yep. yep. And that's the only way these are gonna really succeed. Oh, there you uh, here is yeah, here is the article. The uh, they can features, you know, features all natural ingredients, which we know isn't a full, tr- isn't a hundred percent true statement. Right. Um, and then are touted as low in carbs and calories. Okay. So boom. Um, I think these are going to, these are going to work. I really do. I really think they're going to work. Um, I think they're not necessarily going to be a trailblazer. Um, you know, Boulevard is probably not first of the game, but with their reach and distribution channels, I think they can really make a mark especially price point it depends how cheap or expensive these are and yeah. as, you know what the most the, the my ties eight percent you know it's you could probably drink more but still get you know close to the flavor at, as a real my tie yeah. So yeah i'm curious to see how this works out this is something that i re- i i kind of want to keep up with uh, yeah. and just see how this develops because i think this this could be a big deal in terms of you know affecting both craft beer and and spirits um, and of course, we'll we'll probably try some on the show. Of course, oh yeah, you know, good or bad, they are. And then Jeff can just shit on all, shit on, get on a soapbox and just shit on every single one. And I'm just gonna laugh because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not hard sodas. Which, by the way, where did those go? <laughs> called it, called it. Rats, go back, in the chin. <laughs> go back to that episode. Hear my rant about hard sodas and tell me that we don't know what we're talking about. Because where the fuck did they go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the bar podcast <laughs> called it <laughs> uh next article this one's for you jeff uh 110 calories southern tier swipe light mm-hmm. in march so they're getting mm-hmm. prop, they're getting marketing points for me on this swipe light take on 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 tinder i'm guessing uh, low calorie 19 actually they're already starting to do so Excuse me. Emerging cool. examples of low-cal beers are Harpoon, Rec League, also a great name, 
the upcoming dogfish head, slightly mighty locale, which we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Attack on another, the Southern Tier Swipe Light. This is also from Beer Street Journal. Pretty much it's a uh, 110 cal pale ale at 4% alcohol by volume. And this, and Southern Tier describes it as light in color and bitterness, but high in flavor, which is expected. Yes. Uh, uh, there's going to be in 12 ounce cans and drafts starting March, March 2019, which is the third day in March at the day of this recording. So this should be coming out soon. Uh, Jeff, are you on board with, with not only this beer and Southern Tier, but the sort the slow crawl of local beers by bigger breweries. I'm I'm, de- I'm definitely buying in on that. Um, I think that this is you know I think we're in a generation that's slightly more health conscious than anything that's followed or that's been before us for a long time. Um, they're definitely seeing the younger people are a little bit more health conscious and a push towards you know like we we're talking about natural ingredients, organic ingredients, um, making sure that what we're putting in our body is is not completely terrible for us, and then going out after a few beers and drink eating a whole pizza. So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> I think I think that this is a good idea, and I do think that there will always be a place for healthy. You know what I mean? People are gonna sure. are gonna drink it. What I don't particularly uh, think this this one is all that exciting. Um, to me, it's to me they could have easily just called this a session IPA, and we would have been back, you know, three years ago. Um, it essentially is just a session IPA, in my opinion, uh, uh, more or less. I mean, 110 calories is light. Four percent alcohol is super light. Um, it doesn't even say really. I mean, it calls it a pale ale, but it just says light and light in color and bitterness, but high in flavor, which it probably isn't. Um, It just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't, the packaging doesn't wow me. Uh, The branding doesn't, I mean, the the name is cool, but like the can is very kind of plain and old school looking. Um, I don't know. To me, I'm not on board really with this. I don't think this is anything too stellar. I'm trying to look up what the slightly mighty was, even though we literally just talked about it last week, because I feel like that was, like impressive, more impressive on almost every single statistical way that you could do it. Like it's, it's 15% less calories. It's less carbs. I have it pulled up here. Finally. I mean, and they use, they use monk fruit. Yeah. It's a real IPA creative, uh, twist, right? It's a real IPA and it has, what's the, what's the ABV. I feel like it was a real ABV too. It wasn't like 4%. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't really say. I mean, they're both, what what us nerds yeah, would call okay. sessionable. So, they're both sessionable. They're both four percent. So to me, yeah, I'm on board still uh, with both, but I'm less on board with the Southern Tier one just because I feel like going for a full on IPA and just and well, I mean I guess we haven't tried either. This this one could be better. So I guess I don't know if I'm on board with one, I have to be on board with the other until I try them and <laughs> until I try them and rule out which one sucks. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm. I, I guess I'm. I'm on board. Completely on board. Yeah. Uh, me too. I, I think this is definitely a, a another growing trend in in the craft beer is is the whole locale, quote unquote, health conscious, and it makes sense. Like, you know, if you can pull beer with the same amount of flavor for a third of the calories, why wouldn't you do that? And why wouldn't people support that? Right. I can enjoy the same flavor, IPA, taking less calories but still get what I want. Why not? Um, and, and I'm on board with it. Um, 
I think the name is clever. Their branding is okay. Um, but other than that, it really depends on the price point too. Cause if stuff's like water, I'm not going to buy it. The price point for a six pack or, uh, should be about $9.99 or $10.99. It shouldn't be anymore because it's a locale quote IPA or pale ale when the packaging says refreshing ale. You're talking so, about this one here, tier. Southern Tier. That yeah. will that's easily going to be an expensive uh, six pack just because it's Southern Tier. That's what they they all their stuff has been escalated elevated through the roof. Um, you know, all their four packs are like getting near twenty bucks. Well, yeah, those are limited release stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I have a feeling this is going to be more expensive than you think it is, unless they put it out in twelve packs like they did for their uh, Buffalo Bills beer. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. which, which this is showing a 12 pack. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, bet I don't you, know. I bet you they're still close to $3 a can. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm on board with the locale beers. Um, and I think I'll always be on board as long as the flavor holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, save on calories, drink more. That'd or be a do, new shirt. Yeah. Or do what I'm doing and, and crack open a, French toast double brown ale, which is not, does not save on calories. <laughs> <laughs> is it a new one or old one? Newer one. No. Well, still not, still not the 2017 batch. Correct. Yeah. yeah. When when we interviewed uh, John Lynn from Funky, that was probably the best. Oh God, that was so good. <laughs> I I remember how good that was, but and I barely remember doing that. Um, that show <laughs> so, yeah so that was that was, that was a pretty good highlight of that show yeah, yeah. that uh, i still that i did remember how good that beer was and uh but i didn't um i didn't remember doing most of that show so that was good not that, that's not my fault though you know like no you only had three beers above 11 percent beforehand well you know well it was like what it was our second show no that was our first Second with Laura, which you got re-drunk again. Well, yeah, that was. And I got that, and that's where I got super drunk was at Lauderdale. Yeah, we did good there. We did good um, on both of them. Whatever. Yeah, we're, we're allowed to, to get drunk. Awesome. We're allowed to get drunk on a beer show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next article. This one's is uh, call me by surprise, and I thought it was super interesting. Um, we're on Beer Street Journal again. Uh, Sierra Nevada makes first ever acquisition Sufferfest Beer Company. Uh, Sufferfest is a brew that launched in 2016 in San Francisco by Caitlin Landsberg. And she opened the brewery because she was looking for a perfect thirst quencher for someone with an active lifestyle. Going back to low calorie. Eventually, this search, <clears throat> excuse me, led to her to, led to her, led for her to create her own recipes and ultimately opening a brewery. Um, their beers are internationally, and oh, I'm sorry, Sufferfest beers are intentionally brewed to be low in carbs, with some being extremely gluten reduced, less than five parts per million. Whoa! Uh, and the buyout, I'm just breezing through the article here. Uh, the intention of the acquisition is to better position Sufferfest to grow in a highly competitive space of healthier beer options, including gluten reduced and gluten free offerings. We just talked about half of that. Uh, the terms of the deal have not been disclosed, but the deal is for 100% of Sufferfest Beer Co. Whoa. Uh, I don't well, know who they are. Congratulations on Caitlin so, yeah. Landsberg. You're sold Very out. Cool. 
you're hopefully rich. Congratulations. I support that. Yeah. Well, we are big fans of, of people doing that just probably because everybody else is such not big fans of people doing that. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, what's the point of getting into business, folks? Come on. Yeah. Let's if you're not going to make money, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm with um, I get it. As long as, you know, as long as we've always said, as long as the beer stays good and everything, I mean, this might be great for them. They might actually get distribution. We might actually hear who they are, you know? Yeah. So that's a good thing. Uh, um, it's, it's now, oh, hmm, I, how, how am I going to break this down? Um, I think buyout for Sufferfest is a great buyout sure. uh, without knowing money. I mean, you get Sierra Nevada's backing channels, distro channels, the whole, the whole works. Great business deal, but is it going to benefit Sierra Nevada? Maybe if know. Sierra Nevada just takes the recipes and re-releases the beers underneath their own name or whatever branding and puts out a line of, of these low-cal, low-carb beers that they didn't have to actually do any of the research or creation for, that might be worth it. If you have a brewery that you try their stuff, it's pretty good. It's in its infancy. You can get the brewery for pretty cheap. Imagine how much money you save in research and, and brewing and rebrewing yeah. and testing to create these recipes. Maybe they're just sure. like, hey, give us your recipes. We'll give you some money and call it a day. And now they're going to release those beers under their own name. I don't really know. Uh, that's a guess. That's a theory. Uh, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. <laughs> hopefully this – yeah. Hopefully this buyout kind of gives the, – the word hype is overhyped, if that makes sense. Like it's thrown around – but I right. feel like that word is a good descriptive of what Sufferfest hopefully brings to Sierra Nevada, right? It's hype. Uh-huh. Sierra Nevada is an OG brand, one of the originals, Die. a pioneer within the industry. But when has someone done a Sierra Nevada tap takeover and people are like, oh, shit, are you going to the Sierra Nevada tap takeover? Right. No, dying brand. Dying it's brand. It's a dying brand. and Not probably by numbers, but but probably by like you said, hype or, or people searching giving it. a shit. Yeah. And that's just what I see um, in Orlando. And, and every time I, I travel outside, it's just, it's there. It's old, reliable. If you don't have a craft beer you like, you're like, oh, shit, they have the pale ale. I like that. I'll take, yeah, I'll take Sierra Nevada. I'll take a Sierra uh, Nevada. It's a great backup brand. They're like, all their beers are universally like just better than average, but worse than good. So like, <laughs> You yeah. can you can order confidently with like pretty much any of them that you're going to have an all right beer that you're not going to want to, you know, spit in the sink. Yep. And that's why I genuinely think like there's some breweries out there that have made a name for themselves just by being like consistently OK. And you're just like, all right, like another one is like and people are going to fucking get mad at me for this. I know because they're already especially because it's fucking New England and they're on top of the world right now. So they're just going to shit all over me. But yeah, fucking Boston Beer Co. I'm sorry, Sam Adams. But like way to be consistently average forever. Yeah. And also Boston Lager is swill water. Stop telling me how good it is. Everybody, yeah. please stop telling me how good Boston Lager is. Boston Lager is by far their worst beer, and it's by far their best-selling beer. That's a joke. New England people, get some taste buds, please. <laughs> My goodness. Sam Adams' seasonals are actually good. Sure. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree with that. Their I seasonals agree are that. good. But Curry, you know all that? All that's, yeah, they've got some badass stuff that they don't release into the market except in New England. But that yeah. still doesn't ex- exactly explain why – 
Boston Lager sells so well. Boston Lager sucks ass, dude. It's so it gross. does. It's so fucking gross. Oh, my God. They're like, oh, it's a Vienna Lager. And it's like, oh, no, it's just a bad lager. It's like a red it, ale that just d- gave up. They all, Yeah, that's the big <laughs> thing. They always like to say, oh, because, you know, when you're going through, like, beer training and stuff, they're like, oh, does anybody even know what a Vienna Lager is when you're learning about it? Because no one makes one. And they're like, oh, Boston Lager is one. And I'm like, oh, if that's what they are, I never want to have a Vienna Lager again. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. Vienna Lagers are a good style. They're, they're similar cream ales. But Boston Lager is just not a good example. Not a good example. Okay, so here's my take on this. I like I like the buyout for Sufferfest. I think good job. Sounds like this woman has her heart in the right place. Probably somebody who suffers from some kind of gluten or celiac type of intolerance to gluten to or, healthy. or is jumping on the trend of the gluten-free crap. Here's my thing. Can we keep beer? Like, can we just keep beer out of this gluten-free crap? Like it should be our one little solace. Like this should be our like oasis of not having to deal with this gluten-free douchebaggery. Like it's, we could keep it. You're literally talking about a product that's made with gluten. Like that's like one of the main four ingredients is like gluten. And, and for some reason we're still allowing gluten-free to be like, make its way in to the point that now it's like taking over just like it is everywhere else. Just like I deal with at the restaurant with, with all of a sudden 75% of people who come in are gluten intolerant it's like please god what it got invented like three years ago what'd you do for the last 70 years of your life <laughs> yeah i mean it could be adult onset but i see what you're saying we need to keep beer 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 needs keep to beer, stay beer. beer um gluten doesn't bother me man it really doesn't yeah I in a restaurant can't really tell a difference <laughs> in terms of what's gluten and what's not gluten um, oh, I'm saying just from working in a restaurant, imagine imagine putting out, uh, you know, all the food and all this stuff and you're trying to create new and creative specials and all this stuff. And and 30 times a night, somebody comes to the window and asks the chef, is there gluten in this? Is there gluten in that? Is there gluten in this and that? And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, dude, yeah. we're trying to put out a product for you here. Like, if you don't know, don't order it. But stop asking. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing with, you know, business-wise, like, you know, Tequest is is a big brewery by by you, and their arguably top seller is a gluten-free beer. Correct. But so, they don't even advertise that. No. Did you, doesn't it, it's yeah. not even on the bottle. Yeah. Or on, now can, not even on the can. Yeah, which I think is interesting. Their best seller, uh, Tequesta, uh, their beers are good. Uh, shout out to Tequesta. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, their, their number one, their staple is a gluten-free beer. It's the Chancellor, mm-hmm. yeah. Or Chancellor Kolsch, so. actually. Oh, it's a Kolsch. It is a Kolsch, yeah. Nice. An underutilized uh, style that I've said on the show is underutilized. And I wish we saw more of them, which they do seem to be popping up in Florida a little bit. Yeah, they're well. The the trend is coming back to more traditional styles, which we'll be covering actually in our next next uh, little topic here. And but, that um, is called segways. Yeah. Uh, Nevada, uh, I'm in. I don't. Whatever. Congratulations, Caitlin. You sold out. You made a bunch of money. Congratulations, everybody. But I'm not buying that because of Sierra Nevada. I'm buying it because it's a good beer. If it, assuming it hits Florida, like I'm not buying it because it's a Sierra Nevada brand. So, hell. Um, moving on. Mm. Uh, we are on. Excuse me. I'm on like extra burpy today. Me too. Uh, um. We are on hopculture.com, and with the new year comes new trends and predictions, which I'm a big slut for. 
I'm a slut for trends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so this article written by uh, Kenny Gold uh, says seven trends in the beer industry to watch for in 2019. So we're going to scroll down. And the very first thing he points out Da-da-da. is loggers. Yes. Um, I'm not going to read the article. I'm just going to read each kind of topic. Um, I think loggers are coming back. I think traditional styles are coming back. Pilsners, Kolsch's, uh, you know, basic, regular, plain Jane IPAs, uh, and they're clear. <clears throat> I think all that stuff is circling mm-hmm. back to traditional, uh, especially from what I've seen in the professional market. Working at a brewery, I see a lot of, and friends of the show, you know, friends of our shows, uh, Joel from West Palm, big fan of of just lagers and pilsners and more of the traditional style and Preston for the beer chasers and Baybro Brewing is just likes the traditional style. I think everything is kind of circling back to, to that style. And I'm kind of curious to see what you think, Jeff. I agree completely. I mean, we all knew that some of this stuff was trends. That's why we saw, like, we talked about all these freaking brewing IPA focused all this stuff and it's like I would never open up based on a trendy brand like I would love to see what our boys at civil society are doing when this when that trend yeah starts to die off which is, yep. I think it's, you know it's it's got to be coming although you know I just went on a rant last week about I'll just only drink that. So, um, you know, it, it, maybe it'll take longer than hard sodas to die, but I do think the New England IPA trend will eventually die, mostly because production costs associated with making that style yep. and, how, and how expensive those beers are because of it. And mm-hmm. I think that eventually your IPA drinker is going to say, I could get an IPA for five fifty or a double IPA for five fifty or 6 bucks. Why am I going to pay seven fifty or $8 for this hazy one? Yep. You know, oh, well, because it has a billion trillion hops in it. And it's like, okay, well, I don't really need that anymore. I, uh, yeah. So I that's, mean. so I do, I agree with that completely. Um, and I do think the traditional styles will always win out. Beer flavored beer is going to win out a lot. You know, most of the time yep. people are going to go back to those styles. Yeah. I think with, with the key to, to the styles you mentioned is, is really execution. I would put a well-executed Kolsch better than a triple dry hopped hazy yeah and you know and and yeah you get a lot of flavors from hops and people are utilizing hops to get these big fruit flavors and piney flavors and but if that beer isn't well executed a trained palate can detect like nah you know the malt didn't work or this beer is kind of resiny or like i taste particles because it wasn't filtered fully compared to this beer that's Five bucks a pint, low alcohol, low cal, simple. Mm-hmm. But it's executed, it's clean, crisp, refreshing, and it's drinkable. Right. I think those will always win out. Well, and and just as things always peak and then start to like, you know, end on the other side of the bell curve, like we were talking about with the uh with the uh, brewery closings, you know, last episode, we were talking about some breweries are starting to close. We're starting to see the backside of that bell curve a little bit where we're starting to balance out where breweries are now being held to a higher standard where they have to brew good beer or else they're not going to succeed. All those things that we talked about. Well, it's the same way on the consumer side, the bell curve has hit the, has hit the peak for us too. And what's going to start happening is as humans are, we're very, uh, you know, trend oriented. We love to follow the trends. And as craft beer 
uh, cool factor starts to cool off, they're going to find other things to do like cocktails or wine or something else. And I'm not saying we're going to see a dip in the market, but what we're going to see is a dip in the enthusiast market. The Mm -hmm. people who are just so, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy beer people. I don't think that that's going to continue to be a huge thing. So what's going to happen is you're going to have an influx of beers brewed for the average Joe drinker or the entry level craft beer drinker. You're going to continue to see that market do fine. And, you know, my friend the other day, who's, uh, you know, he likes good beer, but he's not a craft beer guy. He's like, Oh, I went to this brewery. And he's like, you know, for the average drinker, their beers are fantastic. But for you, you probably wouldn't like it. And I'm like, I love, I like good beers that are brewed for anyone, you know? Yeah. I just like beer. (laughs) Right. But he, you know, he said that because he likes entry level beers. He's not, going to be drinking these hazy double ipas and stuff like that because that's not what he drinks right so i think as that back end of the bell curve starts to take hold and we start going down that slope i think you're going to see enthusiasts kind of start to cool off a little and you're going to see those crazy trendy weird beer you know weird beers even i hate to say it because i love them but even dessert stouts and things like that you're going to start to see a step back from and you're going to start seeing more people doing entry level styles or crisp styles or like we're talking about now light healthy styles low carb styles um things like that and you're going to see those those big crazy beers fall off for a while and that's just the way it's going to be um i i think i mean i we've made predictions before we usually have it pretty on yeah um that's what that's what i'm seeing in the market right so the next point uh kenny gold i think is his name (laughs) Kenny Gold. Kenny Gold. All right. Our, hey, Kenny Gold. Gold. Uh, his next point uh, of the seven, number two, is international breweries. Uh, and as Jeff was talking, I was kind of reading ahead. Uh, Portugal, two years ago, only had two major outfit breweries and now has 70 craft breweries. A few hundred in France, more in Spain and Korea and Japan are all looking to get into the American market, starting at the pop up events around the world. Um, Breweries like Bellwoods, Garage Beer Co., Magic Rock are starting to wow the American beer drinkers with their products. And it looks like they're looking to make a splash in these in the American market. This one, I'm probably the least sold on. I'm um, I, that's funny, man. I was just gonna say that. Not sold at all. I'm not I mean, yes, are breweries popping up in, in Europe and all over the world? Oh hell yeah, of course. But the, I feel like the American market is so competitive. That for them to go through the, the money and the work to export the beer here and expect to make it in return, ah, dude, it's hard. It's breweries are struggling here just to make in their local, you know, state market. And you're looking to sell overseas, like it's gonna be real hard. Uh I feel international breweries are gonna stay the same. Same breweries that are here now are gonna are gonna remain here because the market like Germans, Belgians, stuff like that are so niche that they'll always have a market. But other breweries from overseas trying to splash in here, I don't think it's gonna work, and I don't see it becoming a, a trend. I know there's McKellar, there's Tool, there's you know there's others that do well, but there's few. It's never gonna be a large enough portion of the market to make it. It's, you know, we're never going to be like, wow, I can't believe all these international breweries are coming to America now. Like, it's never going to be a big enough influx that we're going to take notice of it. I don't buy this at all. Um, 
startup breweries. I mean, I, I, it's great that two years ago, Portugal had two major breweries and now they have 70. That's fantastic for Portugal. But at the same time, they're going to try to bring those 70 breweries that have been open for one year or two years are going to try to break into a market that has 5,000 breweries. Yep. And, and they're going to try to succeed at that. Um, I don't see that. Also, I don't see them doing anything unique or creative enough to break into our market. What are they going to do? They're going to what? They're probably going to copy either American styles because I know that European breweries are copying the American IPA now. Yep. It's a big thing for them. They love the hops over there. So what? So you're going to come from Spain with an American style uh, IPA that's better than an American IPA? No, you're not going to break into an American market with an American style. Are you going to be doing Belgian styles better than Belgium? Are you going to be doing German styles better than Germany? Uh, right. You know, uh, how are you going to get in and what's your niche and figure that out and then tell me why you're going to break into the American market. But ultimately, America, really, the market takes Belgians, it takes Germans and it takes their own beer. And that's the American market, more or less. Um, yeah. There are some obviously, you know, there are other beers in the market you know there's south american and, and kind of caribbean beers and there's you know Great asian beers and stuff yeah, yeah sure we so we do have other stuff but um but no that's the three majors right there so are you going to do those better than we yeah. do them and america is doing those three styles themselves we don't even need you to do them american breweries are already doing german styles they're already doing belgian styles they're already doing sours and spontaneous fermentation and things like that they're already doing all that here. So how are you going to break into this market? Yeah. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. A higher cost because they have to get it imported. Right. Yeah. It's oh, let's not... get let's get this thirteen dollar beer from from a two year old Spanish brewery. Yeah. Just. Like, <laughs> I mean, the shelves now at at Publixes and supermarkets and liquor stores are is already crowded to where the local person is suffering. Yeah, and there's, there's so much there. And we all still want to drink local. That's still yeah. a big thing. There, yeah. I, that's still the number one thing I get at the restaurant. What local beers do you have on tap? Yep. So, so all of it stacks up against them. I don't see it. Yep, I don't see it either. All right, good. Moving on, number three, and this one I definitely am on board with: wild and spontaneous fermentation only breweries, uh, similar to Wicked Weed. When when you and and Kathy yes, went to very similar. Uh, Audrey down in Pompano. There's there's a couple popping up that are really executing it. Will this make a huge impact? Maybe not. But will it always be around and will it always be sought after? Yes. Um, no matter what, Wicked Weeds beers are still good. Uh, send the hate email to me. Uh, I still like them. Fuck you. <laughs> 100%. I just had um, one a couple weeks ago. It was uh, actually, we had it on Valentine's Day. We had one from our trip good. out there. It was so good. fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I see it. Uh, I like the fact there's a very few breweries that really do it. But that style is very uh, interesting to me, and I, I still think it'll grow, but not a lot, like maybe 2%. Yeah. But it's, it's, I think the popularity will increase more and more dramatically. Dramatically, but breweries doing that, I think it would be few and far in between. It's again, I think it's going to coincide a little bit with what I said before with the with kind of not the death of, but the the falling off of the enthusiast level drinker um, where the hype is no longer the hype anymore. It's been going for 10 years or so, and people are kind of getting tired of being on the hype about beer all the time. This is a very hype style, um, you know, sours and, and spontaneous fermentation and taking the time to put these things in and doing the treatments 
and making sure that it all comes out just right and tasting and tasting and tasting until it's perfect. These are very enthusiast style beers. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't see that, that portion of the market growing, you know? Um, However, I'll say that there's always place for good beer. And these are typically good beers for the most part. Um, And when you come across a brewery that's doing great sours, you're really, I mean, it's exciting. The other thing I'll say is that as far as brewery experience goes, there's not really a cooler brewery to go to than one of these types of breweries. Like Mm. going to the Funkatorium was one of the cooler, more unique brewery experiences I've ever had. Um, And going to sour brewers, breweries and taking the tour and learning about it, but also trying the beers. It's way more unique than going to any other brewery or tap house. So, so I think because of that (laughs) factor that they will continue to grow and have a little bit of a a, a place in the market, they're not going to be significant. It's never, you know, it is a niche market. Sours are a niche market. It's never going to be a huge part of the beer market. But because of the brewery experience being so unique and cool and the beers being so unique and cool, they're always going to be around. And I do hope it does grow a little bit because I would like to see one near me. I would go all the time. There are really fun experience to go to breweries like that. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I'm on board. Um, Moving on to the next point. And this one I probably agree with the most. Uh, Tap rooms are a gathering space. Uh, And this is something that I think is going to continue to grow. It really happened maybe the last year or two to where tap rooms are becoming a social outlet, right? They can be birthday parties. You can have business meetings. You can have, um, you know, come in on your lunch or work. Instead of working from home, you come in a brewery and have a beer or two and and work there. And we're seeing breweries that offer a secondary venue, like Funky Buddha, the back room is their event space. Sure. Uh, Other breweries like Castle Church here in, in Orlando actually have a conference room that you can rent out for like yep. cheap just to have Walk, a walking a, tree had a yeah, walking tree. tree there you go. Yeah. Walking tree yep. have little rooms that you can conduct business meetings, uh, birthday parties, like I said, or anniversaries or any kind of friends gathering, you know, it's yeah. becoming more and more. I mean, it's what I've seen to where, you know, fundraisers, uh, girl scout, sell girl, girl scout cookies in a brewery tap room. Like, yep. Uh, you know, and, it's, and I think it's going to continue to grow and, and breweries that have the space for it, you know, comedy shows is, is a big one now too, yeah. uh, should take advantage and definitely sell the fact that they have an event space or they have a, a, a big tap room for events and you can make a, that's a good side hustle for, for breweries to, uh, to do that. Yeah. Big time, big time agree. It's going to continue to grow. It's going to be, these breweries are building it for this in mind. I've in the last year gone to two events at breweries. I went to a gigantic, uh, 150 plus person, um, rehearsal dinner for a wedding in, or I guess probably a hundred plus person rehearsal dinner for a wedding at Motorworks out in Bradenton. Um, nice. Big fan of that place. Yeah. So uh, this is as a gathering place. Absolutely. Uh, as a place to conduct business, definitely it's growing. For some reason, it's uh, it's an acceptable place to conduct business now, uh, and it's been you know it's okay to go to a brewery for a business meeting. Um, that will probably change with time, um, mm-hmm. but because it's so new as a gathering place, I think it it works right now. Um, but the big thing is like you were saying, events, uh, beer yoga, 
things that take place outside, breweries that are putting on fun runs or running events where they end at the brewery and everybody gets a beer. Um, all of the community tie-ins are what makes this such a successful idea. Exactly. Uh, and it's, it's to the point that about two years ago, actually, I talked about, I was in discussions with potentially trying to open up a tap room somewhere. And I said, I think that tap rooms are dying because breweries are the only place that craft beer drinkers want to drink now. And that was two years ago. So yeah. now we're fast forward two years. When was the last time that you went to a WOB or a tap room, any place that has, you know, 40, 50 taps of craft beer randomly on tap and you just go and pick one? No, probably, probably haven't been in a long time. Nope. How many times have you been to a brewery in the last month? Exactly. <laughs> More than Bre on two hands. <laughs> Breweries are the future of where this industry is going and tap rooms are going to die. They're go I mean, unfortunately, sorry, tap rooms, if you're listening to this and you think, fuck, maybe I'm in the wrong market. Guess what? You are 100% in the wrong market. I got out of this uh, three and a half, almost three years ago uh, the, with the world of beer market. I saw it happening there. Um, it's no matter what they do to combat it or fight it, it's inevitable. You're in a dying market because breweries are doing what you're doing better, more fun, cooler, and they have the uniqueness of it's their product and it's proprietary. If you like what you get, you can only get it there. And that's the reason that they're killing you. They're destroying tap rooms. And oh, yeah. this, this is the biggest one I'm passionate about on this entire list. I could not agree more. Nobody is setting up a rehearsal dinner a uh, post-wedding event, a uh, baby shower, uh, a birthday party at WOB or at a tap room. But they are doing it at their local breweries. They think it's cool. They think it's uniquely theirs. They have a, a connection to it because it's part of their town. It's right. It it's is a sense a of big, ownership. It is a big, big, huge deal that these breweries have completely tapped into. They've done a great job of it and it's, it's not going anywhere at all. It's just going to continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to, to see where this continues to grow and what comes of it. Um, I, I definitely think this can hit the craft beer bars hard. Oh yeah. Craft um, beer bars. It's a matter of time. You know, I'm, we're almost three years into my five year prediction of death on world of beer. And uh, it's, it's, Two years away. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you're you're going in the right direction <laughs> with that prediction. <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, your odds are good. Um, yeah. The next one moving forward, and this one I kind of don't agree with. Um, the death of lactose. Um, yeah. Hired hands in Ardsmore, Pennsylvania, are known for making the milkshake IPA famous, and the guy who created it revealed his secret ingredient, and that is lactose. Um, so the article primer says. Uh, lactose is going to die except for the very niche breweries like Hudson Valley <clears throat> that really execute it well. Um, and then it's going to, you know, this, the overly sweet lactose will give way to using lactose in brown ales. Um, I think lactose will always be around as long as IPAs are still around. And lactose can be used in other styles. Mm -hmm. Ours and lactose can be used in any style if you want to add a thicker sweeter mouthfeel um and will they peak any higher than they are now probably not because they're pretty high now but lactose will never go away it'll still be around um if you're lactose intolerant uh sorry 
But I think this is the one. I, this is the second one I, I disagree with. Um, but I, I definitely think lactose is here to stay. And I know there's a lot of breweries who do stouts very well who use lactose to make a that mouthfeel. But um, I don't agree with it. But I could kind of see where he's going. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I gotta say. I'll, I'll say when when we went to um, when we went to Savannah, we came across three different breweries in the savannah area that all had a milkshake ipa and and don't get me wrong i thought they were good um but i think they are trendy i think it's similar to the new england ipa or any other variant on a traditional style of beer um it's gonna go away eventually um what i do think is that because of what it does for beer with an with a sweet and a sweet and creamy kind of thing that it can be used like you said in other styles i don't necessarily think the milkshake ipa is great but i think it's okay but there's going to be creamy brown ales and things like that that are going to be good and sweeteners and things like that um using it in dessert stouts or in big stouts is going to be a nice touch uh in my opinion so i don't see lactose going away i think a step back is in its future but it'll still be around um, and it'll probably be around for a while. And yep. uh, I don't know. I don't think – I think it's a trend that is going to die a little bit, though. I think you're going to stop seeing lactose on cans and bottles. And more importantly, I just think people are going to stop being excited about seeing lactose on a can or a bottle. I agree with you. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. Next point, and this one I'm pretty passionate about, yes. uh, coffee, coffee projects, uh, pretty much a beer street with coffee. Uh, this is definitely a fucking awesome trend, and I hope it continues as coffee evolves. Because co- I don't drink coffee personally, but I love coffee beer. And when I'm treating beer with coffee, there's so many coffee options you can choose from, dude. There's so many fucking flavors, and it's li- borderline limitless on the amount of coffee styles of coffee, flavoring of coffee. It is a creative dream, and they've I love it. I'm on board. I 100% buy in. Fuck yeah, coffee beers. It's not even just coffee beers. They're talking about also the the coffee products that breweries are putting out, like cold brew on tap or having their own uh, uh, cafes and, and putting out different beers and things like that. Uh, I mean, different coffees. I'm totally on board as well. One of my favorite beers, one that really hit me uh, – you know, and the reason that we actually set up an interview that didn't even go through with them was side door Jamaican be jittery, um, which used a local roasters coffee in a lot of it in a fantastic stout that just hits you right in the face with a ton of coffee. Unfortunately, that interview didn't work out and you guys didn't get to listen to me drink it and praise it on air. But that's their loss. <laughs> anyway, moving on there. Their use of coffee was what caught me and what brought me to that brewery, which got me to try their 16 or so other beers and really made an impact on me because I like that coffee beer. It is a great way to pack a punch in a beer. It also ties in, like they're saying in this article, local roasters or local coffee. Again, ownership, proprietorship. You feel you're connected to that industry or that place because it's from your hometown or it's from down the road or you've been there. I always get coffee there every morning, you know. Those types of things are the reason that breweries are killing it and every other industry is in the craft beer world is not so much killing it. Breweries are taking over and that's why because they have this easy way of just going in and saying, let's use a local roaster and get some really badass coffee and put it in our beer 
And like it ties in anybody who drinks at that coffee place. It ties in anybody who gets that coffee and drinks it at home. And it ties in anybody who likes my brewery. Yep. Oh God. I love, I love coffee beers. I, oh, yeah. I'm so on board. Um, I can't wait to see more of this and, and, and breweries and, and coffee places <laughs> or teaming up more and more to, uh, to, uh, dig it collab and, and, and move forward. Uh, I think this might be the last one. Yep, this is the it last is. one. Uh, seven of the seven beer trend trends in the beer industry in 2019. Uh, wine forward beers. Pretty much, you take wine, uh, champagne yeast, wine yeast, and use that in your beer. Other than regular beer yeast, you know whatever uh, yeast your your recipe calls for, and it dries out, makes it bubbly, make it makes it effervescent. All that stuff. Um, fuck that shit. <laughs> you don't buy? You don't I'm not buy buying, personally or you it. don't buy for the market? I don't. I I sell personally and I kind of sell professionally too to where it's like it's too much like wine, man. It's too much like brute IPAs or not even fucking IPAs. It's just oddly colored Prosecco. And... I just can't. I can't do it. I understand if someone, a, a woman or a man, likes wine but doesn't like beer, we'll try our brewed IPA. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I get it. I'm on board with that. But in terms of this being a trend, I'm not on board. I don't. I think it's too much of a blend, if that makes sense. I think it's too much wine and beer unless they do, like, a pastry stout r- red wine. <laughs> I like so I like one of my well, pro, one of my favorite beers uh, of all time that we've all know that I talk about regularly is the, the Love Wizard. Below, the Love Below, oh, wow, shit. the Love Below by Funky Buddha, yeah, yeah. made with Cabernet barrels. Um, so a red wine tinge on that as well. Um, I am a fan of red wine flavors and beers. There's been a handful that I've tried with some red wine uh, flavors or aged in a wine barrel or something along those lines. Um, I buy, I buy it for one big reason. And I don't necessarily think this is the answer, um, but I think it might, it has potential to be the answer. I think wine in millennial generation has taken a backseat and that it hasn't started to show in the wine market just yet that they're going to start losing a lot of sales to craft beer. Mm -hmm. Um, But as the millennial generation becomes a larger and larger portion of the buyers, I think wine is going to start to fall off. For instance, I think that me at 30, if I were in the generation before me, would be having wine at dinner when I go out to dinner. Yes. I have not ever ordered wine at dinner. Not once. Do not order it. Get a craft beer or I get a cocktail. So I I don't think... I think that that and that's I might just be one person, but because craft beer is a huge part of the market now, wine is taking a step back. Um, I think that this is almost like a shots fired over the bow of of the wine vessel. Like, hey, we're threatening you, and we want to we want to take that as much of your market as we possibly can. Wine is honestly too pretentious, too confusing, too douchey. And I don't think that the hipsters or the younger generation is on board with being that way as much. Not saying that older people are douchey, right. but I'm just saying 
the wine market has been around forever and it has been the way this pretentious kind of hard to get into you ha- you're on the outside until you're on the inside kind of thing mm-hmm. um and we do i mean me and cassie drink wine we go to cooper's hawk all the time we do the tastings and it's fun it is fun but i i don't see it continuing to grow with this with the millennial generation the way it has and i think taking a step towards making wine flavored beers or wine inspired beers maybe even takes more of that market away and and kind of establishes craft beer in its place where it is continuing to grow right that's the only reason i'm buying right so with with the lovable lovable i'm also a fan of that is a it's not wine forward it's a hint of wine. Oh, it's a beer. It's a beer. It's it's with a beer. wine in it. It's chocolate, uh, cherry, chocolate cherry, and, and they use a cherry that they barrel age in, in Cabernet barrels. So there's a lot of good complex flavors going on. It's a great beer. If you haven't had it, uh, go out and get it. Just, if just released. Available. Just released about a uh, it, you know a few weeks ago. Yeah. So you might find it by the time you listen to this. If not, there's always next year. Um, I I'm talking about the brute IPA or like beers that are so Prosecco or so wine esque that it's not just, Oh, it's barrel Asian wine. No, we threw wine yeast in this bitch. Mm-hmm. Try some. Yeah. And wine yeast in ciders, I do think works. Champagne yes. yeast and ciders is fantastic. I'm on board. Yes. Um, I, yeah, beer. It's weird. I, I've never, I have had two brute IPAs only two because they do not speak to me on a menu and i will not just order one unless it's like really 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 sold to me um and i've tried them and they've been okay you know not my favorite um i'm not i'm not a fan of that taste personally but like i said i also am not somebody who ever orders wine so Mm -hmm. maybe they're not for me you know yeah that's true I don't know. True. They're not going to be, it's okay. not going to be a huge growth market. I mean, ultimately yep. it's calling this a huge growth market or a place that we're going to see wine go. Not really. Not my opinion. Not in my opinion. Yeah. I think craft cocktails will exponentially do better. Sure. Than wine for mm-hmm. beers, like hands down by miles. Absolutely. Um, even if they're shit cocktails. Um, so that is it for this episode, guys. Uh, we are about an hour mark. So we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. There's a, there's a lot to cover. Not really a lot to cover. I'm, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, be sure to check out our website at thebarpockets.com. We got merch. We got info. We got all the episodes that you can listen to for free. The Funky Booty interview is on there. All of it's on there. Our interview with Sam Calagione is on there. All of it's on there. Free to listen to. Search for us on iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Subscribe. All for free. Um, uh, I guess we can officially announce what we're doing March 30th, Jeff. Yes. Boca Raton. Boca Raton. Uh, me and Jeff will be at and, and crew, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure if Cassie's going, but uh, I haven't even told her yet, but she'll come. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, the At the Bar podcast crew will be at the Barrel of Monks anniversary celebration March 30th <laughs> at Barrel of Monks in Boca Raton. Uh, we will be there. We are not recording there, so we will be guests uh, and we get to talk to people and not have to be live streaming from the event which is now, cool it would be a good break now we may um, we may do a video or two just little teasers for you but no yeah, we'll, we won't we'll be do a little filming. video yeah we won't be filming we won't be doing a four and a half hour live stream uh that was we'll be, so we'll much be just, fun oh, that was i had a good time uh we'll be normal people uh, amongst of. you guys so as normal as we can be 
Yeah, yeah. So we'll be there March 30th at Barrel of Monks in Boca Raton. It's their anniversary party. Uh, more details to follow. So be sure to follow us on Facebook at the Bar Podcast, Instagram at the Bar Podcast, and our website will have all that information posted and ready for your viewing eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, we are still working. It's Tampa Beer Week right now. So I am not contacting Tampa Breweries yet until after this week is over. Um, I still would like to do a Tampa Brewery uh, event interviews. Uh, yeah, with, yeah, for with sure. I can come up. I can, we'll just have to plan it ahead. I can come up for anything like yeah. that. But it's going to be a whew, it's going to be a tough one with my wedding and with my houses both having closings in the next month. And yeah. oh, oh yeah, I'm moving. You buddy. Tell me after. Yeah, you got to tell me after we're done. Big time moving. Uh, other than that, what you got going on, Jeff? Other than what you just said. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh you're moving, wedding, work. <laughs> yeah, just busy. Just busy, busy. Waiting for a season to end as much as that sounds terrible for a restaurant tour and it's the busiest time of year, but good god, man, it's just been a rough one. It's been so freaking busy. People come to Stewart, check this place out. It's fucking happening. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. blowing my mind. This has been I mean, we're having a very busy season this year, a big time up, you know, on things we've done in the past but it's just like it's like an onslaught it's like we open the doors to a wave every day and it's just jesus it's like i feel like king leonidas like this is sparta <laughs> Black We're like fuck man i'm like can i get a break god so it's but it's been good it's been really good we're having a good time wearing my black marlin hat now yeah, repping yeah, yeah. it for the for you because no one else Ooh. gets to see the show <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh it's been very good uh it's i am tired all the time and i'm run down and that's what happens this time of year we've got the wedding planning going if we've got a trip up to south carolina in april uh nice. i'm sorry in may nice. in may we've got cassie's mom's wedding in april we've got uh my place closing in april we've got my new place closing in april so april's gonna be a crazy month okay april's gonna be crazy but lots going on in april man uh so yeah so everyone go down go down to uh black marlin and downtown stewart and stress jeff out (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean well i'm behind the bar a lot so i'm i i there i'm not as stressed because it's just i have to hide it so i'll be able to talk to you (laughs) Well, I know we did have, have we had yeah have Jeff you, who you did a, you talk who did you talk to? who did you talk to that came to Black Marlin we had a fan come to Black Marlin I want to say thank you for that I wish I could have got to talk to you oh um, yeah yeah that's right I, I uh, yeah I know I know there's been a couple people going down there looking for you just or at least ask, they tell me that and just ask know. for me guys if I'm not behind the bar ask for me I'll come out I'm there every day except for Mondays really and I'm usually there on Mondays too. So <laughs> I'm normally not there, but I'm there. <laughs> so yeah, just ask for me. I'm probably there. Yeah. So black Marlin downtown Stewart, the bomb ass restaurant, the best one in Stewart. Yes. Hands down the best one. Big time. Um, other than what that, what said? I got going on. Yeah. Other than, other than that, just, um, these shows are, 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 are I'm happy to be behind the mic again. It's, it mm-hmm. puts me in a really, it sets the week for me and puts me in a, in a fucking great mood. Then we have a good episode like this. Um, so I'll be just editing episodes, getting them up, uh, lining up events, lining up different things that we can hopefully at some point this year we can do, whether it's, um, festivals, whether it's beer collabs with, uh, breweries just to get our name out there and grow and, 
I'm eyeing. We got merch still, and I'm eyeing some uh, some custom stuff to to hopefully maybe sell to help raise a little bit of money for the show. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some uh, some glassware that we can we can sell, some coasters, magnets, stuff like that that we can hand out or give to people and, and help grow the show. Because despite the fact that we're growing week after week, there's always room for more. Always. Uh, but other than that, I'm just grinding, working. Uh, working my job now and loving it and uh you know just learning and and hopefully one day soon i I get the opportunity to uh do my own gig and sure be an owner and be a boss and uh you know really kick ass and excel at that but other than that usual shit uh that i got going on in my life so yeah with that said once again thank you everyone for listening to at the bar podcast we appreciate it every single time we love our listeners. We love talking to you guys and meet you guys in real life and nerding out on the industry and all that stuff. And as always, we'll see you guys at the bar. Cheers. Bye. Yep. Cheers.